Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Nasty Cast might sound like a silly name for a show, but this is a serious fantasy baseball podcast. Okay, maybe not that serious, but these guys aren't just here to party. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Nasty Cast Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Van Lee. I'm joined by Ron Rigney. Ron Rigney, how are you today? I'm great. Uh, you know, we had all these wonderful signings the last couple of days, and then unfortunately, it looks like it's going to come to a screeching halt within mere hours. So yeah. we had our fun while it lasted. We're done. No more for the no rest more. of the year. Nope. Uh, Brian Vaughn, you're also joining us. What, what do you think? When does the CBA think it resolved? So I fully expect a little bit of a stoppage, a little bit of a delay in the 2022 season because... We're going to get into it in this episode, but it looks a little ugly right now between the owners and players. And this, we're recording seriously hours before the lockdown starts, mm-hmm. or the lockout rather. And I, it feels like that talking about baseball right now. Like we're kind of capturing the state of it as we know it right now. And we'll wake up after baseball hibernates and talk about it again. Yeah, exactly. And boy, do we have a lot to cover today because seemingly everyone in the world Everybody decided wanted to, to get sign. Their done. There aren't very many people left to sign. I think there are a couple of reasonable free agents Carlos left. Carlos Correa's there. Yeah, that's Freddie a, Freeman's Freeman. Freeman, yeah, okay. So there's a couple, but Trevor for the most Story. part, ooh, the big guys have signed. Fine, just keep proving me wrong, it's Brian Vaughn. It's a big free agent class. It really is. Which yeah, I huge. knew going into it, but I guess I didn't really compute fully because I didn't think there was going to be like a $300 plus million contract handed out or anything like that, but there was. And here we are. So let's get right into it. Actually, let's not get right into it. Let's talk about Twitter. <laughs> Change my mind. We can uh, find us. Everyone can find us on Twitter. I'm at Manly Vanley. Brian, what are you? Oh, I'm at Loud Guitar Brian. How about you, Ron? What are you? I'm at the Real Mod A. And podcast, what are you? We're at Nasty Cast Pod. <laughs> and you can also Thanks, find our podcast. You can also find I, our I never, knew, I never knew Mr. Hanky voiced our podcast. <laughs> he does. We that's where all the money goes. He's a new Amazing. hire. <laughs> well, we're worth every penny, I might add. <laughs> that's right. Well, you can find our sister podcast, the Dynasty Baseball Shows handle at Butu Dynasty, B-O-O-T-U. And you can also find all of us available on patreon.com slash Butu Inc. You like what we're doing? Just a couple bucks a month. You can get even more. We put out bonus content there, not only for this show, but other shows on the Butu Inc. podcast network. And just another shout out to a couple of shows. We have the Boob Two Boys, which Brian and I do with a friend Spencer. We talk uh, TV shows, not at all baseball. And we, in fact, just talked a reality TV show, 90 Day Fiance, and it sucked. It was brutal. It, Truly brutal. That's all I want to oh, say man. about it. Hey, we also have. Speak, speaking yeah. real quick of reality TV shows, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I saw a commercial somewhere online. You guys remember the real world on MTV, of course, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. I just saw where they have on Paramount Plus the season two real world. If you remember the season with John from Kentucky. They have a reunion where it appears they are living in the house again, the original cast. 
Oh wow! You guys have seen this? No. Oh man. Oh man. That oh, sounds. Who uh, else was on crazy. that season? I mean, um, you had there was the big controversy between how does he Tammy know all this? Because <laughs> I used to be super into like those first couple seasons, okay. and this kind of jogged my memory. But like uh, Kevin and Tammy had this big thing where. He was like pulling her blanket off, and they kicked him out of the house. And she, Kevin, know, you fuck her. <laughs> he was, he was, man. He totally was. But yeah, so looks looks kind of like one of those things that it's 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 train wreckish where you you see it and you 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 want to not watch, but you just can't look away. Yeah, and that's before Road Rules or the Real World Road Rules Challenge, which spawned <laughs> some CDs that I still own. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah. Well, listeners out there, if you go to Paramount Plus and you type in the coupon 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 code, the <laughs> coupon code Nasty Boys two four four six nine seven big discount, you won't get anything. But for like fifteen bucks a month, you can watch Paramount Plus. That's Pretty cool, right. right. Yeah, what yeah. a deal! <laughs> and finally, check out the Launch Angle Podcast, another show on the Boot Two Inc. Mm-hmm. Network, where I discuss baseball with Jeff Zimmerman and Rob Silver, and that is for like high dollar players, NFBC players, and Keep in mind that if you enjoy fun, you will not like that show because we're not allowed to have fun on it. It's strictly number stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to have to come here for all the fun. That's right. Mm-hmm. This is a fun show. Yeah. Now. Hey, look how fun I am right now, guys. He's just having a blast over Pretty there. fun. He is smoking a cigarette. He's yeah. twirling flowers. <laughs> 70 grade fun, I think, is what we what we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about to do a motorcycle trick. You're like a bear riding a motorcycle. Yeah, we'll finish the pot. We'll talk about baseball first. Let's do that. Let's talk about the CBA a little bit more, because as we mentioned, it expires at midnight tonight, Eastern Standard Time or East Coast Smug Time, you know, where Ron lives. And the lockout will begin starting then. Now, last I read a couple hours ago, Major League Baseball met with the Major League Baseball Players Association. They had a seven minute terse meeting. Yeah where basically the owners were upset because they don't want to change anything as far as arbitration, salary cap, anything like that. So they're clearly, I think the quote online was something along the lines of there's no rush to get things done from their side, which I think kind of paints to them thinking they're just going to wait this out. Yeah, this is very advantageous for the owners because you start this process now and the clock starts on it. Uh, on the lockout, which for the owners, that means, hey, less chance of uh, work stoppage mm-hmm. that I miss the revenue from all of these games, which kind of gives them a little bit of leverage because as that gets closer to the players are like, where's my paycheck? You know, maybe they're more likely to cave. But exactly what you said, Van, this was all this time to get a deal done. It couldn't happen. And it, it, they did, the sides did not feel close. No, I'm sure they just had a perfunctory meeting just to say they had one. Mm hmm. And I think there's been such a cult of personality or a narrative pushed in the media or whatever you may say of owners are the good guys. Which is disgusting. It is disgusting. Owners are the people with billions of dollars, all the money. And yes, we just saw Max Scherzer sign a $133 million deal. But if you think about it, the Mets themselves are going to make a hell of a lot more than that over the period of the contract. And I just can't stand the the just overall narrative, like feel sorry for us billionaires, the owners. Yeah. It tells me that there are a lot of people out there sucking up to their boss and being like, Oh boss, please pay me less. (laughs) What I will say too, is we've seen a really big push on the opposite side of, you know, the narrative now is like, people don't want to work at fast food joints for $10 an hour. They want higher wages and therefore it's understaffed. They want a living wage for some reason. (laughs) And there's a whole lot more to that. So I won't necessarily get into it, but we are seeing people push back against the narrative of like work your whole life 
for you know a, a business owner to make millions of dollars yeah. and, and that's the right thing to do. So we're seeing that from the player's perspective. It's obviously different dollar amounts, of course, much larger amounts, but it's the same fight. And Max Scherzer himself is one of the most vocal proponents of the Players Association. We're also seeing uh, Colin McHugh saying a lot of stuff. Yeah. They've hired this guy, Barry something or other. I blinked on his name. There's a great article on The Athletic you can read about it's it. It's not Barry Goldwater. No, good thing it isn't. <laughs> and he, this guy is helping the Players Association fight that kind of narrative and hopefully you know, change things. But what that has done is made the owners push back even harder. Yeah. So, Ron, what do you think? Do you think this gets dealt with before the year's up, before 2021's done? Do you think it bleeds into spring training? Do we miss baseball next year because of it? I think we see it definitely going to spring training. And, and like you said, you know, some of the players, I don't remember, you know, the players being as vocal as they have been. You know, you mentioned Max Scherzer. Another guy I heard on MLB radio today that they played a soundbite from was Ross Stripling. And it sounds like both sides are dug in pretty hard and there's not going to be a lot of, 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 of give and take, at least initially. Now, when we get to spring training and there's, you know, there's, like you said, there's owners that are missing out on revenue and, you know, you have players that are wanting to sign. We'll see what happens and we'll see where this goes, but I think it definitely impacts spring training. I'm not optimistic on, on it getting settled quickly by any means. I would also like to take this time to point out that the average salary of a Major League Baseball player has decreased for three consecutive years as the sport grows richer and richer. Interesting. So you can kind of, I mean, obviously a fan might point and say, but players are getting three, $400 million contract. Yeah, that's the top. That's <laughs> the, what do you know? A problem that persists in other arenas persists in baseball. And I hope that it gets solved for the players here. But I, re- man, this is, this is not good. Mm-hmm. This is not going to end soon. And we've harped in the past, of course, on minor league player treatment. These guys make 40 grand a year. Yeah. And the baseball teams take like food money out of their contracts. Yeah, they have to travel all the time. It's it's disgusting it's being a, a minor job. leaguer. Like you have to have a big signing bonus to survive the eight years to eight to 12 years that team owns you. Yeah. And a team you didn't choose. Work in the off months instead of focusing on conditioning and, and achieving your dream at like wherever to, you know, make more money so you're not screwed if something goes wrong. I saw, the, I, saw this, I saw this tweet, and I don't know if I sent it to you guys or not, but somebody tweeted out, it's, it had a picture of Mike Trout in the background, and it says mm-hmm. Ma- Major League Baseball is <laughs> essentially six years of you eating ramen noodles, and then the next day they just hand you $100 million. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. only the reality <laughs> is most no one gets the $100 million. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's a messy situation. We'll, of course, keep an eye on it. If if there is a lockout, and by all accounts there will be within, starting in a few hours, we're probably not going to have a whole lot in the way of news. So I think for the Nasty Cast, we are now in December. It's December 1st when recording this. You may not see us until January 1st when we would normally pick up anyway, yeah. and we'll be back with positional previews, so on and so forth. But I definitely wanted to do a show now talking about free agents. If that gets sorted out or if we have something crazy happen, we may be back yeah, in a couple maybe weeks. Tony Clark power bombs Rob Manfred, <laughs> which sounds cool. And in a fight, I would take Tony Clark's side every <laughs> single time, other than that sinewy little <laughs> Rob Manfred. Tony the Tiger, he once very, very positively contributed to my fantasy team in the late 90s. Lots of power. He was fun to watch. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that's it for this part. Let's go ahead and get into the free agents. We have a whole lot to discuss. So we won't talk a whole lot about each individual situation. But what I want to bring up is the average draft position that they're currently going for and whether or not you would be okay paying that price for them in a fantasy draft. All of these numbers come from NFBC draft champions contests uh, over the last calendar month, so the last 30 days, November 1st to December 1st. So keep that in mind. The ADP, of course, 
will change as we go along and certainly will change for these guys. Some of them having just signed, they'll get the bump from being signed or some get a loss for being signed. Marcus Simeon, I think his price is going to drop because he's going to a really rough stadium for hitters. But let's start with the Mets because they went bonkers. They signed four separate players. We'll start with Max Scherzer. He's the big name. They, I believe he's $133 million across three years. He's officially the highest paid player annually in Major League Baseball, which congrats. I mean, I like Max Scherzer. Yeah. He earned it. He's awesome. I hope he Get that money, happy. Max. That's and, right. And the short-term deal that Max Scherzer signed, I'm just going to clarify this here for those who are Trevor Bauer, is because Max Scherzer is an old man, and three years is about as long as you're going to go on him. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have, are privy to this, but Trevor Bauer is taking full credit for players signing short-term deals. Yeah, he. <laughs> and I don't even want to get into it because you know um, how I get around Trevor Bauer, yeah. which he's becoming more vocal lately. I still think he may be done as a Major League Baseball player. Yeah, he's player. vocal in the way that Jeffrey Dahmer got real vocal <laughs> when, when he got arrested, or Ted Bundy. <laughs> There you go. You heard it here for first, false. <laughs> How vocal Ted Bundy was. <laughs> he was. He was pretty vocal. I, no, no, no. Trevor Bauer is just a regular, horrible, horrible person. <laughs> well, Max Scherzer is not. So, Ron, I'm going to start with you on this one. He is currently going to pick 16 in drafts. Now, Max, of course, being the age that he is, he is now 37 years old. However, he came back last year and put up innings after, you know, not necessarily doing the, the Scherzer thing. In 2019, he got down to 172 innings. 2020 was short, of course. Last year, still put up 179. Excellent innings. 2.46 ERA, 11.84 K per nine, 1.81 walks per nine. Basically, the numbers were Scherzer-like, minus 40 innings. Do you buy that at number 16? Do you think you would take that, or is the age just a little scary for you? I, honestly, I, I, if you would ask me this like maybe four or five years ago about a 37-year-old pitcher, I might have been a little bit more sketchy about it, but I think it's 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 some for some reason these guys are just becoming freaks. You know, we see what Justin Verlander does, we see what Jacob Degrom does, we see what Max Scherzer does. I'm okay with it for for being a yearly league. I mean, you know, he did deal with the injury in 2020, only pitched 67 in, in third innings, and in or I'm sorry because of the uh, the shortened season. That was why we we saw that dip in innings. But we, we've seen him, I guess, kind of digress a little bit you know 2019 he did that that was the season I was referring to with the injury was down to 172 in the third innings but beyond that you really haven't dealt with him not giving you solid innings ever I mean he still pitched 30 starts last season still had the double digit K per nine still was walking very few guys I mean he had a Max Scherzer type season I don't really see any reason that he can't do that again or at least maybe for the next two or three years which with is what that deal is. So I'd be perfectly fine taking him at 16 as my ace. For sure. Scherzer in the second still makes all the sense in the world until he stops being this. And he's still a Cy Young contender and probably will be again next year, health permitting. I think that's a totally fair price. I think he'll pitch well there for the Mets, even if the Mets are the Mets. And and I'm, yeah, I'm not scared off by this at all. I think one thing it's, interesting and plays in his favor is that we don't really have the guy that you go, all right, 240 innings, two and a half ERA. That's the one. He's the number one because the number one pitcher right now is Otani. He's probably taken as a hitter or just as a combo. Corbin Burns, there's innings questions. Garrett Cole, you know, there's even stuff questions about, although I still think he's very, very good. Probably the same stuff questions Scherzer once had to answer. Yes. Which is he's getting hit a little bit hard now. But there's no Max Scherzer from five years ago. There's no, no Clayton Kershaw from eight years ago. That doesn't exist. So seeing 
180 innings, which is what I would expect Scherzer to do this year, makes you go, okay, that's great. I'll take that at number yeah, 16. 180 is 200 in my mind. It is. It is very mm-hmm. much so, for sure. Let's stick with the Mets. They have signed Starling Marte, of course, the star center fielder last year for two teams. It was the Marlins and the Athletics, and he is going currently with pick number 24 in these drafts. 47 steals last year, Brian, 12 home runs and just 526 plate appearances, also hit 310. What do you think? Do you think he can repeat that sort of thing? What would his numbers look like in your mind as a a projection, and would you pay it at 24th overall? Marte is always kind of tricky because he doesn't do a lot of the things I like to see, but I'm sorry, the track record's there at this point, and we have a couple more years before he slows down in all likelihood. I think he's as likely to lead baseball and steals as anyone while also being a positive offensive contributor. I think he'll hit for average, uh, you know, somewhere in that 15 to 20 homer range like he likes to do. He's just a really good player. 24 seems maybe kind of high, but it might not be. I I always think of him as like third rounder, but, but that, you know, that's probably fine. I, I don't think he'll be hurt by moving to New York. In fact, I think he'll be, he's not been in a hitter's park like ever. So, so we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I was going to point that out. As I mean, a guy that did what he did in in Oakland and in uh, Miami last season, and and it was able to post what he posted there. I mean, you might even see a little boost in the in the home run total. Not a lot, but you might see him go up to maybe seventeen, eighteen homers. I think you'll still get. I think forty seven steals. I don't know if that's necessarily a realistic number to kind of hold him to. You might see that dip a little bit, but I, I think the average in the OBP. I think the slash line is going to be there. I'm fine with it at 24. You know, even if he does decline a little bit in steals, I think he still gives you 30. And if he gives you 17 homers, 30 steals, a 290 average with a 370 OBP, I think that I'm taking that at 24 all day long. I think, Brian, you said, you know, I feel like he's a third rounder. That's ultimately what I think. 24 is just a touch high for me, but because of the way stolen bases are in baseball, I get it. I, and the I way the outfield's it. kind of become. Outfield's kind of gross, yeah. Now, what I'll say about him is that 47 steals last year, over the past, since 2017, his highest total was 33. There's a couple reasons for that. Number one, he's always hurt. He has not put up a full yeah. season, maybe ever. He had 606 plate appearances in 2018, but he is always hurt. Just 526 last year, 586 in 2019. So I don't think you can count on him as a beacon of health. That said, the projection system say 607 plate appearances. Okay, fine. I get it. Maybe it's a little less. Not too big of a deal. 18 homers, 30 steals, and a 269 average. The I think the average is mostly because he had a 372 Babbitt last year, which inflated yeah. everything. But he's well, a guy what, who What's will. his career Babbitt? Marte's career Babbitt. Career Babbitt, 344. Yeah. So yeah, he's a guy I who mean, always has a high. He will do that. And so I think the batting average is the only thing I don't necessarily agree with with that projection. But I buy 18 homers, 30 steals, maybe a little less in power. Overall, that's perfectly acceptable at this yeah. point. And I can't really say, oh, I'd much rather have this guy. I'd much that's, rather have that's that kind guy. of what I'm running into mm-hmm. as well. It's like, I don't know why I wouldn't. <laughs> well, let's get a little less exciting then and go down to Eduardo Escobar, who was signed by the Mets. And he's going with pick 191 in fantasy drafts. And Escobar last year had a pretty darn good season. 599 plate appearances, 28 home runs, just one steal, and slash 253, 314, 472. Let's go to Brian first on this one. If you're just needing power around pick 200, would you take Escobar? Do you think there's downside here, upside? If I can, if his eligibility is such that I can move him around a little bit, like in past years, I think there's some appeal there for Escobar. He's uh, he's a fine fantasy player. He's a guy I think is probably better in real life, though. 
because he moves around the diamond and has a little bit of power. He doesn't draw like any walks. So that's a little bit of a hindrance if you're in an OBP league. But I think this is around 200 is probably fine for a guy like this who by all accounts, he'll get the at bats for the Mets. I mean, you could you could see him having a 2025 homer season pretty easily. Yeah, I think around pick 200, if you're looking for a guy that's going to give you counting stats in just about every category and in a slash line that won't kill you. I, I agree with you with the OBP. It's not super high, but when you're when you're still around 300 and you can give a fantasy team between 25 and 30 homers, 80 runs, and, and 90 RBIs, I think around pick 200, that's fine. Especially if he does have, like you said, Brian, the ability to be able to put him at third base and shortstop. I think this is a roster construction pick. I think if you get to this point and you're safe on batting average and you just need power runs, RBIs, fine, totally fine. And even if you don't need that and you just wind up with him because there's no one else you like, could still be a trade option for you. Yeah, you might slot him in at short and then acquire a shortstop, but then the position eligibility allows you to move him around when somebody's hurt. Mm -hmm. So he's a valuable player to have. He's not going to provide surplus value here, I think is important to say. This isn't an upside play. This is a, I need to fill a spot play. And that's fine, perfectly fine. A little bit further down in the draft board, we have Mark Canha, just signed by the Mets, currently going around pick 250. Now, Canha last year with Oakland had 625 plate appearances, 17 homers, 12 steals, and a 231, 358, 387 slash line. So, Ron, that's below average power, but he does make up for it with the double-digit steals. If you buy that, of course, what do you think here in New York? Do you think he can repeat those numbers? Is this someone you'd buy at 250? I think in an OBP league for sure. I think when you get to that point, I think he's a nice, you know, depending on how deep your league is, I think he's he's a nice maybe fourth out, fourth or fifth outfielder, maybe a bench guy at that point. I, I don't know if I trust the double digit steals a whole lot just because we've seen that one time and that was last year. I, I think he's you know he's a guy that can get you 15 homers, but if he gets you that 360, 350 OBP at that pick, I'm fine with it. You know he's got a couple of seasons where he's been above 80 runs, and I think that's helpful too. But I mean, it's not necessarily. Uh, it, it's just. It's kind of like you said with the Escobar pick. It's roster construction, but it's also what else is left over at that pick. I mean, it's fine if you take it, but I'd like to see what else I have available at two fifty as well. I'm totally with you, Ron. I think it's it's just a guy you could roster, especially really only probably in an OBP league. That's where the big draw is with Canna. But he's also a guy who is a. He's one of those players who's done a little bit right at different times. He's hit for power. He's stolen some bases. He's gotten on base. So you know the tools are there for him to do a little bit of everything. He's rosterable, but no one to be excited about. I think he's very much one of those players that if you go into the draft with the mindset of, I want someone who does a little bit of everything, I want five stolen bases from every single spot on my roster, great, he'll fit in perfectly. But you're right, in an average league, you're going to have to plan on somebody having a good average to offset a little you bit because he's I like just not going to Mets, do it. Though. I, I think he's yeah. a good, useful guy that they can kind of move around the outfield and stuff. For sure. All right, let's skip around in our list here. We're going to go with uh, back to Ron first because we're going to talk, oh boy, a big boy signing by his team. And oh, it's a nice one. I like it for them. It's Wander Franco. Of course, the Uber prospect has signed an extension. It was 11 years, 180 something million dollars. It was a big one. So let's just talk his stock for the upcoming season. He's currently going with pick number 46 in drafts. Last year started slow, but finished all right. 308 plate appearances, seven homers, two steals, and a 288, 347, 463 slash line. Ron, in fantasy, is 46 too much of a cost for you, or do you like him here for what he brings to the table? 
I mean, obviously, I have a little bit of bias, but at the same time, it, it sounds a little, uh, a little rich for me. And I'd ha- I, like I said, it kind of is a thing where I'd have to see what else, you know, who else is slid and who else is there. I, uh, you know, it's 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 hard to say what you're going to get from a 20 year old uh, second year player, enter- and he'll be entering his first full season. I believe that he's the guy that sh- I, I think he should have been rookie of the year over Randy Rosarena, even though Randy Rosarena had a had a solid season as well, but. He's going to be a guy that's going to give you a little bit of everything, I think, across the board. He's going to be able to do that at, at shortstop, which we don't see a, a ton of. But I, I almost feel like I, I want to kind of see how this plays out. But it's it's going to be something that I think you're going to have to pay up to get him just because he is going to be that hot name coming into this this season. We know how these younger players are once they get called up and they hit and they succeed. It's that shiny new toy syndrome, and I think you're going to see a lot of that in drafts. There's no way that I take Wander Franco at 46, even though I love him, and I wouldn't even be shocked if he earned that. I really wouldn't. It's just a little too scary. He's another prospect guy who I I could see Wander Franco having a very good year that would feel disappointing if you took him at 46. And that that's kind of where I'm leaning when it comes to Franco is such a great player, but we not that I need to see more. If the price was right, I'd take him right now. I think he's already excellent. But 46 is a really good season. 100% agree. I think he's everyone's going to be disappointed with he does because for this cost to be worth it, he's going to essentially have to Vlad Jr. it and break out immediately. Yeah, which and again, like I, I wouldn't even be shocked. Not it, at all. It's a thing that could happen. It just doesn't seem terribly likely right away. And if we look at the projection systems, which I often defer to because they're they're right more often than they're wrong, they're, they're in the ballpark. They're always in the ballpark, at least. 651 plate appearances, 19 homers, 10 steals, 289, 347, 473. That's a hell of a season. Hell of a season. Not worth 46 overall. No. And that's, I mean, that's saying he's not going to really break out because he could hit 28 home runs, and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. He yeah, could if he hit steal 20, 15. If he went 25-25 and hit 300, okay. Yeah. And again, that could happen. But... That's just a risky price. So I think we're all in agreement here. So we're not going to necessarily do what I was going to do. But I just want to point out that going near him in drafts, we have Trevor Story at 44, who there's some injury concern, but by all accounts, he's supposed to be healthy. I would take Trevor Story over him 100 times out of 100 this year. We've got Aaron Judge. I mean, if you need power, look what he did last year. That's going to provide more value. Uh, let's see. How about Adalberto Mondesi? You like Mondesi more than him, Brian? No, didn't think so. I don't like Mondesi more than anyone. Yeah, Ron, <laughs> would you do Mondesi, or are you going to stick with Franco here? Uh, I'm going to stick with Franco. I'm and and I'm going to use my raise bias 100, percent and I'm taking Franco over Aaron Judge as well. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I wouldn't take either him or Mondesi. Is what I would say here. Francisco <laughs> Lindor. Yeah, he had a really bad season. We've got a lot more history. Well, I don't that's know. an interesting one. That, that is an interesting one, I think. Depending on how he's a guy who I think we'll all be looking at. Yeah, yeah, going for sure. Into next year, see what they do. Although, based on my track record with guys like Yelich and Bellinger, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> Fair point. So, ultimately, though, it's just too early for Franco at this point. Let's deal with the Rangers here first. Let's go with their number one big-time signing. I guess you could argue which one it is, yeah. but it's going to be Corey Seager here. And Seager has signed a monster deal. Ten years, $325 million. That blows my mind. I am shocked he got this. Now, he has performed at an MVP level in the past, but... He's also barely had plate appearances the last five years. So I don't know. I was shocked to see it. But last year, just 409 plate appearances, 16 homers, one steal, and a 306, 394, 521 slash. Brian, is this 
a case of us looking at from a fantasy perspective versus a real baseball one. And then the second part of the question is, let's see, Corey Seager is going to pick 63. Would you take him there? Okay. So let's start out by saying that one of the doubts I had about Seager for a while is he's a good hitter. Is he a great hitter? And I think he might be based on what we saw in 2020 and 2021 when he played and earlier in his career, too. I mean, he's had some incredible seasons. So far, he's been sticking at shortstop. I And he's only 27, which I think factors into this a lot more than, uh, than a lot of people are giving it credit for because t- these huge contracts that you essentially have to give out to get a player like this, they have never worked when handed out to a player much older than Seager is right now. Mm-hmm. So this this is kind of the max on that. And the same for Correa, if he signs soon, he's also 27. So I think that this is an overpay, but Seager has really blossomed into one of the better hitters in the league uh, when he's healthy. I wouldn't take him at pick 63, though, I don't think, because Texas is uh, a little bit tough on hitters, as is, you know, L.A., But on top of that, he doesn't run at all. And in fantasy, unfortunately, that matters quite a bit. And that's a category you're just going to get zero or one out of from Corey Seager. So 63 is a little dicey with his injury history and a category he can't fill. But man, do I like his chances of filling those other four categories. Really good hitter. Yeah, I think I'm out at 63, too, just for the, you know, for the things that you said, Brian. I mean, you haven't seen him. Since 2017, he's had one season where he's played 134 games or more, and that's it. And and if I'm picking a guy, I mean, obviously all the guys you want that you pick, you want them to be healthy. You want to get as many at-bats out of them as you can. I, I think the at-bats, it's, it's almost kind of like the Clayton Kershaw thing we used to talk about. You know, you know you're going to get limited innings, but those innings are going to be really good. And I think that's the same thing with Corey Seager. You know, you kind of hit on it. He's not going to steal you bases, but he's pretty much going to do everything else. But is it worth giving that? pick at 63 to get a guy that you know last year only gave you 95 games so I don't know if I'm really in on that from that perspective but I think what he is going to give you is really good I would just like to get that at a much cheaper price yeah I could definitely second that let's do a quick dude feud here Quack Davis, Juan Soto, Lance McCullers, Justin Upton, Delano DeShield, Franklin Barreto, Carlos Rodon, Whit Merrifield, and of course, Hoog Bowl. And let's see. So shortstops going around him. We have Corey Seager at 64. The one before him is Lindor at 50. Would you rather take Lindor at 50 and not worry about Seager, or would you rather wait for Seager and uh, skip Lindor? What do you think, Ron? I think I'm going to go ahead and take Lindor because Lindor is a guy that's been a first round pick not that, not all that long ago. And I, I mean, I don't know if we can bank on him getting back to that point, but I would think I would rather take the gamble on, on Lindor and maybe him giving me a couple of steals and getting back to somewhat close to that first round form than trying to take a gamble on Seager playing me more than 100 games. This is a really, really good one. I think I'm leaning Lindor also because... I mean, we're not far removed from him being a reliable 30-plus homer guy, 15-plus steel guy, or 20 or more. And he could easily return to that. I'll say Lindor, but because they're like 13 picks apart, that's that makes it really even for me. Yeah, that's fair. And I would take Lindor as well just because of the stolen bases alone. Because like you said earlier, there are none in Corey no. Seager's future. None. He might get that one because he's on the back end of a double steal. It's too big. But that's it. Too Too big of a boy. <laughs> All right, let's look past him then. We have Corey Seager at 63. 
couple picks later at 67, we have Javier Baez. Who would you rather have, Brian? Uh, well, well, oh, this is really tough. Baez, you don't really know what's going to happen any given year because he, he honestly, he doesn't walk. He strikes out over 30% every season. Some years the power is down. Some years the speed's down. But you always get some combination of it. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to take Seager and find my speed elsewhere because I I've rostered Baez a lot because so he does so many things well and he will again. But there's the risk he hits 210. There's the risk he doesn't hit for power. There's the risk he only steals 12 bases. There's a lot there. And I'll take the solid offense of Seager, even though Baez is a bit more of an Iron Man also. I think I'm going to go Baez because I, I'm more confident that I'm going to get more games out of him. But I also think too it's it's a point it's a, at a point where you have to see what the rest of your roster is constructed like, and if you mm-hmm. can withstand what you're not going to potentially get an average and what you're not going to get an OBP from Baez, you may want to go the other way. You know, I, I it does kind of scare you off a little bit seeing that 30% K rate. But man, when you look at those seasons where you're getting 30 homers. 100 runs, 100 RBIs, and 20 steals. Now, I don't think we're going to get those 2018 numbers, but I, I think I'm, if, if I can get 2021 Javi Baez for that pick, even though he does have that 33% K rate, I'm going to definitely go Javi Baez every time. He, he does it every year. He just keeps doing it, and I am not backing down now at 29. I will take Javier Baez almost every time. The only instance I wouldn't take him is if I'm desperate for batting average, in which case Seager is about as safe as you get in that regard. But again, the question is just health. Can he play every day? I don't know if I buy that, but Baez last year at a monster season, 31 homers, 18 steals, 265 average. And I fully think he's capable of doing that again because he always does this again and again. So I will take Baez, but let's go ahead and move on to the next player here. It's actually another, well, middle infielder we'll go with. It's going to be Marcus Simeon, also signed by the Rangers. He is going a lot higher than Seager at pick 28. And Simeon, of course, had the absolute monster season last year. 45 homers, 15 steals, 265 average, and 724 plate appearances. Ron, what do you think about, uh, I almost said Seager again, Simeon here with the Rangers this season at that price, 28th overall. I, I like it, and we've talked about how or how Marcus Simeon, you almost had me do it too, Marcus Simeon is just solid and used to be able to get him for next to nothing, and obviously those days are over. I, I don't know that you're going to see 45 homers again, but – I think you're going to see, I mean, he's a, he's a sure bet for 25 to 30, I think. I, I think you see similar counting stats. I mean, obviously, it's going to hurt him a little bit because he's not hitting in that Toronto lineup, so you might see the run total dip a little bit, but you're going to get double-digit steals. You're going to get a, a ton of games out of him. He's played every game of, of the last three seasons, uh, he's 162 in 2019, 162 in 2021. I, I'm fine with him there. He doesn't strike out a ton. He doesn't really kill you anywhere. He contributes pretty much across the board. And I think that that is a really, honestly, I think that's a really solid value at number 28. I think I like that value probably the most of anybody we've talked about so far. It seems exceedingly fair to take him around the end of the second round, somewhere in there. Simeon, who, I like you, Ron, I think he's probably more of a 25 to 30 homer guy, realistically. Still 15 steals or so, hit 275, 280, score some runs, drive some runs in. I, I just think he's going to be one of those guys you... He plays, he fills the stat sheet, and there's always the chance that he does something like last year, though I think that's kind of the upper echelon of what he can do. I think he's going to drop pretty precipitously once people start looking at the park factors. Someone did the math for me. I think it was Jeff Zimmerman. 
and said that last season, if he played it in Toronto, or I'm sorry, in uh, in the Texas ballpark, the new one, he only would have had like 32 home runs. The runs and RBIs would have been down like 20%. Add into that the fact that despite that they've signed these two big-time free agents in Seager and Simeon, that's still a very bad lineup. I'm sorry, Adolis Garcia, I get it. I see where he could succeed, but I think it was fluky, and there's a big chance he's out of, maybe not out of baseball, but off this roster by June, something Adolis, like that. Yeah, Adolis he's Garcia. He's not good. He's a defender mm-hmm. who can hit a home run off the bench. And it's just a bad team. Like, look, we like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, but I think we like him as a fantasy player. In real-life baseball, yeah. I like he's good defensively across the diamond, but overall, the offensive numbers are not fantastic. He just provides more fantasy value than real life value in that regard. It's just a bad offensive team, even with these two guys, because they were bottom three, bottom Mm -hmm. three in Major League Baseball last year. And I know they signed two big time free agents, but that's not going to fix it. Now, adding Cole Calhoun, that'll help a little bit, provided he can stay healthy. We'll need to see what the rest of the Rangers do. But ultimately, I don't think I would take him back half of the second round. I think I'd be looking elsewhere. And ultimately, I think his price will drop enough that we're looking in the third round at least. And That's what then I, it gets a I little assume more the nice. price gets to the third round or mm-hmm. so. Because I think his price was based on going to a big-time park, and he certainly has not done yeah, that. Yeah, it'll kind <laughs> of round out because like, there's the Oakland version of Semyon that was also really good. So people yes. kind of need to remember that. But he was also <laughs> going for pick 140 at right. that yeah, point, yeah, yeah. and no but, one cared. I mean, out-earning it by a ton. Absolutely. I think there's, there's some sort of middle ground here he's going to reach. I think. For sure. Let's stick with the Rangers, but on the opposite side of things, we have a pitching signing. It's John Gray. And John Gray, who is a top prospect with the Colorado Rockies system, has long struggled with Colorado in general. Last year, 149 innings, uh, excuse me, 9.48 K per nine, 3.50 walks per nine, and a 4.59 ERA. Now, with Texas, which I've just said is a better pitching park, he is supposedly going to add the curveball back to the mix because it simply did not work in Colorado, and they don't work in Colorado. And that was a big part of his arsenal when he was a prospect coming up. So, Brian, what's the upside here? We know there's upside, and we know he's going to be better than Colorado, but where does it where does it fall as far as, as numbers? And let's see, pick 309. Would you take well, him? Well, I'll sure take him at pick 309. Absolutely. That will be going up <laughs> a lot to a price I probably won't take him because the thing about Gray, curveball or not, here's some things about him. His ERA on the road has been just as bad as at home in his career. He has never struck out double-digit batters per inning, despite being regarded as like a strikeout workhorse pitcher. And I I just don't see how... I I think he'll be solid for Texas, but it's more in that like dependable three guy that that we're not looking for. I think with John Gray, there's still that first-round draft pick top prospect hype sometimes somehow where we expect he'll develop into an ace. I don't think that's really a thing he can do uh, at this point, but he, you know, he'll log some innings and probably provide you with better ratios and, and likely even more strikeouts if he can throw the curveball. So he's definitely draftable. I just fear he's going to rise up the ranks too quickly. Yeah. Not much to add there. If you like, like you said, Brian, if you're getting me, getting him at that pick, sure. But it's, you know, we, we make that argument that, you know, cores is cores and, and he pitched half of his games there and, you know, that inflates his numbers. But, you know, you, you, you made the argument for me. He's just as bad on the road. And, and, and I'm not going to pay any, any steeper of a price than what he's sitting at right now. And he is going to go up. And I'm not really sure why. I mean, maybe because the K upside is there. You know, he's only had one season where he's, or a couple seasons where he's had a sub 
for ERA, but he's got seasons where he's got ERAs in the mid fours and he's coming off one of those. I just don't see a whole lot of reason to get excited about him, you know, moving, moving to, to a, uh, a different park. I mean, it benefits him a little bit. We'll see. You might see a small dip in the ERA and the numbers get a little better, but I just don't feel confident in that. I'll need to see where he winds up, but ultimately, yeah, 309 to, I don't know, maybe 250, I think I would buy in there. On the positive side of things, I think adding the curveball just changes him entirely as a pitcher because you can change sequencing. I think he was throwing it 6% of the time. Whereas in the minors, if I remember, or not necessarily the minors, but uh, in college or wherever else he pitched when he was a prospect, he, that was like a 12% of the time pitch. And that's a huge adjustment to an arsenal. So I think there is that upside. On the negative side of things, his fastball, despite being hard, gets hit. It's straight. It is absolutely yeah. a straight fastball. And anytime I think of straight fastball, I think of that reliever Heath Bell, who when it disappeared, he was gone. He was just blasted, even though he was still throwing 96 or something rather. So I think that maybe people will overrate him to your point, Brian, that the cost will be so high. I don't want anything to do with him. But as of right now, I like the cost and I do think there's plenty of upside here. I've always liked John Gray. Yeah. And I think he'll be, we need to see a couple of years of who he could really be before we have a good handle on who he is. But ultimately, we don't have that luxury. Of I sure now. wish he would have gotten that chance out of the gate with yes. another organization. But the Rockies had to do what the Rockies do. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Then let's talk Cardinals here, Brian. Your Cardinals made a pretty solid signing here. Steven Matz for four years, $44 million, I think it was. It's currently going with pick 318. He's kind of turned into a pretty dependable starting pitcher. Would you draft him at that cost? And how do you feel as a Cardinals fan? Yeah, three. That's again in that three hundred range. I think he's fine. He's kind of what you want. He'll fill out your rotation and probably establish ratios that are just just fine. I think this is a solid enough signing for the Cardinals. Makes sense. They need a guy like this. Obviously, it's Mats who is inconsistent, hurt a lot. But I mean, looking at the peripherals and everything from from last season, I see no reason why he can't be, you know, a nice three starter for them and a nice guy that fills innings for your fantasy team yeah when this when this happened I kind of texted you guys and kind of made fun of it but you know it, 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 the more I thought about it the more I really liked it the more I think it really makes a hell of a lot of sense and you know kind of like you said Brian it's you know an 11 million dollar a year guy that's going to be kind of a you know mid-rotation dependable you know guy every fifth day I, honestly a guy I wouldn't have mind seeing the Rays uh going after I think it's a little bit you know a little bit more than they would have wanted to pay uh, for for a starter bringing him in, but nonetheless, I think it's a great move for the Cardinals. And and and, it, and when you get in that pick three hundred range, I think he's perfectly fine there. I'd like to have him on my team, uh, if, especially if that's the pick that I'm spending on him. Yeah, I think that's totally fine as far as fantasy goes. As far as real life goes, I love it for the Cardinals. Honestly, I would have freaking loved it for the Angels because the Angels are doing this thing where they're like, they're all these great free agent pitchers. Yeah. We have this money, we could sign them. Let's toss one year at Noah Syndergaard. What is the plan there? The plan, I'll tell you exactly what it is, because they've tried it several <laughs> times now. The plan is to piecemeal a rotation out of bulk, and yeah. it doesn't work. It I has like that not worked. in terms of we already have a few guys, but and then they we're going to sign 10 guys and see who wins the spot and stays healthy, but they don't have the first couple of guys. And there's a little bit of upside. Uh, Reed Detmers, we've got yeah. Otani, if he, uh, how much he pitches. You know, There's a little bit of that, but there's no core to it yeah and steven Matz would be an excellent starter for a team like that and for four and years 40 for me and who cares guys like this the and they Giants skipped over all of them several of them dace clefini was and, one uh, alex Cobb wood even, they signed or, uh, wood well. is, yeah yeah and Cobb. I they think. did sign Cobb, but wood is who i meant so but, yeah but yeah. 
I like Matt's at 318. I think, I think we have this idea in our heads of Mets Matt's. Yes. It's hard to say. And the problem is, is that old regime with the Mets, you have to almost treat like the old regime of the Orioles. Yeah. They ruined so much stuff. And now going to Toronto, like it wasn't fantastic, but it was pretty darn good. He had he a good strikeout rate, good walks. stayed healthy. He, exactly. And I think that's what we're going to see, particularly with the Cardinals, who are usually pretty good at turning these guys into very useful pieces. Yeah, and they'll be safe with them. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk the Giants then. They did sign Anthony, Anthony DeSclafani. He's going with pick 229 in fantasy drafts, Ron. Is that uh, a little rich for you, or do you like him there? Uh, I mean, I'm okay with it. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's with a couple of these guys, I need to kind of see what else is there. But, uh, you know, a guy coming off a really good year, 167 and two-thirds innings, and an ERA just a little bit over three. And, and he's kind of been all over the board as far as his ERA. I, I mean, I think you can kind of count on him as maybe being like a three seven three eight guy. I kind of like him uh, uh, along the same lines as as Steven Matz, I guess, as far as what I think he's going to bring to my team. So I, I guess if, 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 if I'm kind of at that point, I'm looking for that kind of guy, I, I'd much rather wait on Steven Matz at 318 than try to get Scalfani at 229. But like I said, it just kind of depends on where I'm at and what I've made my pitching staff into with that pick. That was my thought as well, Ron. I, I like Scalfani fine, but I, I feel like, 80, 100 picks back, you're going to have several guys who not only might put up a similar season, but like probably will, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, not to slight Desclafani. It's just in a, in fantasy terms, he's not striking a lot of guys out. So there are going to be some other intriguing options. And this is the best case scenario for him, re-signing with the Giants. Yeah. I think it's where he found the success. I think he'll Good continue to find success too, there. It's smart for them. I 100% agree with all this. There's just enough that you can wait for. 229 is just too high. I get it, and I think if you needed innings, solid innings that you knew weren't going to be blow-ups, then okay. It's not going to embarrass you or anything. But uh, there's just, yeah, just wait for Matt's 100 picks later. Yeah. Okay, let's do another couple of big-time names here. The Cubs today have signed Marcus Stroman, and Stroman, of course, put together a pretty good season last year with the Mets, a resurgent season, 179 innings, 302 ERA, 794 K per nine, 221 walks per nine. Ryan, that's really kind of the the Stroman M.O. You don't yes. strike out a ton of batters, but everything else is pretty good. Be smarter than your opponent. <laughs> oh, and, and he is going, going with pick 164 in fantasy drafts. How do you feel about that? I think that's probably about right. Obviously, with Stroman, you do have the thing where he's not going to strike a ton of batters out. I think he is as likely to succeed doing that as about anyone, just because of the way he pitches. He keeps the ball down. He sinks it moves it around, uh, very smart guy, very intuitive pitcher. I I would rather take a guy in that spot with maybe some more strikeout upside, but I think he'll be really great for the ratios. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. I also, by the way, I just looked it up, and his de- the terms of his deal have been announced. It's three years and $71 million. So, Why wouldn't the Angels do that? Exactly. That's another <laughs> It's more AAV than a lot of guys, but, I mean, he's a better pitcher than a lot of these other guys. And a three-year deal. Great. Three-year deal. Pitchers on a three-year deal is great because if they get hurt, oh, well, it's a three-year deal. Yeah. It's not 10 years like yeah. Barry Zito or it whatever. It just makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah, I'm o- I'm okay with him. And I, I I like the ratios, like you said, Brian. And and the K per nine doesn't scare me away that, that much that I'm going to not be comfortable picking him at this spot. I like the fact that the last couple of years he's given you right around 180 innings. He's made 32 and 33 starts in, in 2019 and 2021. 
doesn't give up a ton of homers, doesn't walk a ton of guys. There, there's just a lot to like here overall. And, and you know, when you get that many innings, you know that you're going to get quality ratios out of him. And we've seen that ERA kind of decline the last two full seasons that he's pitched. So I'm fine with him here. I think it's a, it's a good signing for the Cubs. And like you said, man, it's a good uh, good contract for them as well. He revealed on Twitter, by the way, that this the only stadium he has never pitched in, Wrigley Field. Wow. So now How is that even possible? Yeah, that's crazy. I will not own any of him at this price, but much like I said with DeScafani, it's like, yeah, it's fine. All right, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. It's just not my style. I just, at this point in the draft, I don't know, the first 150-ish picks, you know, and that extends here at 164, I want strikeouts. Rarely will I get the guy who doesn't strike a ton of batters out unless he's the safest bet in the world for an elite ERA in 200 innings or whatever. There were few years like probably three or four years where you could do that with like Kyle Hendricks mm-hmm. who was not I mean I like Stroman's odds of striking guys out more right well yeah <laughs> but you know those exist but you really have to be careful yeah absolutely so it's just something I wouldn't do but I get it I would not fault anyone for doing so another pitcher signed by the Blue Jays Kevin Gaussman and this was a big get for the Jays he Gaussman's going 49th overall in drafts this year last year for the Giants put up an ace season 192 innings. 281 ERA, 10.64K per nine, 2.34 walks per nine. So number one, Ron, do you buy that? Is Kevin Gaussman a straight-up ace? And then number two, 49th overall, are you paying that price? Uh, 49th overall, I don't know. Like uh, That one, I kind of question that a little bit because to answer your second question, we've only seen one season of it. And I mean, He's gotten progressively better, but we also, you know, not all that long ago, 2019, we see him with a 5.72 ERA uh, for that season, 4.68 in 2017. So I need to see a little bit more of it that that I'm before I'm going to spend a top 50 pick on uh, Gaussman. If you believe it and and you want to pick pick him there, maybe as your SP two, I I don't think it's terrible. It's just something that I I got to see more of it than just one season to be able to pay that price. Well, for me, 49 is too soon for me to take an SP1, probably, given my drafting tendencies. So, yeah, I wouldn't take Gossman there. I mostly believe in everything he's done. There's nothing to dissuade me in it. But moving to Toronto, moving to the American League, moving in general out of out of San Francisco, I think there are going to be possibly some hits to be taken on his stat line. I still think he's going to be excellent. I I wouldn't be comfortable taking him at 49, though. I'm going to be the only optimist here, which is an amazing fact. That has never happened. <laughs> 100% I would buy him here. He's an ace. He is straight up an ace, and I have no reason to say that he is not. And I think we look back at the old seasons, like you said, Ron. I think anything like 2018 and before is Orioles territory. Yeah. It's what the Orioles did to him. We saw Jake Arrieta leave the Baltimore and become an ace for a few years until everything derailed with him. But I buy it. This is what Kevin Gaussman was supposed to be when he was a prospect. On the Dynasty Baseball Show, we might have said, if things pan out, boom, 2021 Kevin yeah. Gaussman. And it has panned out. I buy it. I buy the pitch selection. He. A lot of people were like, well, the second half wasn't as good. Dealt with a little bit of a hip injury for a few starts there. And he was still already still pretty good. And that's the good. only other Gaussman thing. Yes. The, the, he's had some injury history. No, in not so much too. of late, to no. be fair. And Ultimately, though, I just buy it. I think his profile is going to play well in his park. Maybe the ERA goes back a little bit, but based on the pitchers going around him and my drafting, uh, I won't say abilities, but how I like to draft teams, I could see him being my ace, and I'm totally fine with that there. So 
I like Gaussman a lot coming into the year. And I, oh, by the way, going to the Blue Jays, I think, is going to drop his cost. So I could see him falling into the That's know, the 60s. one thing I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Mm-hmm. Because there, if he does drop just a little bit, all of a sudden he gets priced into me a little, a little bit more effectively. We actually talked Javier Baez earlier, so we can kind of skip him. Do we want to talk about a player who left the Blue Jays and, and also throws baseballs, Robert Ray? Oh, yeah, we can. Where is he on my list? I don't see him, but he, he signed. I just remembered him. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He signed with the, uh, with the Seattle Mariners. Mariners. That's right. It happened when I was cultivating this list. So. Yeah, it all happened. The thing is, Van sent us this list, which already had a million free agent <laughs> signings on it, and then about two million more happened in the next 24 hours. <laughs> all right, so Ray currently going as the 15th pitcher off the board at pick 41, 42-ish. We'll go to you, Brian. What do you think of Ray now with Seattle? Would you pay that price for him? No, I, I like him there, though. I really do. I think he'll be great. It's very similar to Gossman. It's just a price thing. And my idea of what a pitcher should cost when the risk is factored in. <laughs> and I know you got to take him, but yeah, I would prefer Gossman to Ray by just a little bit. Uh, but I really like this move for Ray. I think he'll pitch well in Seattle. I think he, just like Gossman, has really hit his stride. Yeah, same thing for me. It's a little bit more than I want to pay. I mean, we know the K, the Ks have been there for years. It's just kind of like I said with Gossman, I need to see more than just one solid season of it. I will say of the two, I probably trust Gossman more than I trust Robbie Ray. I think it's a great signing for Seattle if it pans out, and and, and I think they get a nice power pitcher in that in that rotation. But I think at this price, at this price, I'd be more apt to get Gossman than I would Ray. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I will not be drafting Ray there, and it's not—it's not that I don't buy into it because it's not I him, do. It's us. It is. It's not you, Robbie Ray. It's me, Van Lee. <laughs> as Robbie Ray sobs uncontrollably across the counter for me because I've dumped Robbie Ray in this situation. <laughs> All I've ever known is your love. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ray is—he uh, kind of—he did something that's interesting in that. He cut the walks, and that's really what led him to the success. But what he did is continue giving up home runs. He just quit caring about it, Yeah, which is the Justin Verlander thing. Scherzer, too. Scherzer, too, where it's like, look, we're going to give up home runs. It's just the way baseball is. Now, if I keep people off base, I can still have a good season. And he did. He strikes everyone out. He doesn't walk anyone. 284 ERA. Is that inflated or a little underinflated? Probably. Seattle is a good place to pitch. I think it's a great contract for them. I like Ray, and I think he will succeed this year. I don't know that I want to pay the price for it because there's just more risk here for him than I think there is for uh, Gaussman a little bit later on. Well, a lot of it later on in the draft at that point. So, yeah, interesting pick there. Let's see who else we have here. Oh, the Angels. Angels decided, you know what? (laughs) We have all these holes in the rotation. We struggled with starting pitchers for so long. Let's go ahead and throw a lot of money at a closer. Yeah, so I'm going to make an executive decision here on this. On okay. Rysel Iglesias signed mm-hmm. a four-year, $60 million deal mm-hmm. to stay with the Angels. Uh, no way I'm drafting him at 60, which is his ADP, because, I mean, I, he's as reliable a closer as you can find, but that's kind of damning with faint praise, <laughs> is what I would say. I really just want to hear what, what you have to say about this fan in terms of being an Angels fan and allocating resources in that way. I didn't necessarily <laughs> harp on the Noah Syndergaard thing in the allocating resources department. I did a little bit when he yeah. signed. It's also a, it's one year. It's one year. And, and the upside is ace. And the thing is, is in truth, these teams have unlimited money. Yeah. The payroll is a construct. It's it's a BS construct. So eh, whatever, it's fine. It could pan out. However, 60, what was it? 60 something million over four years. Over four, yeah. The best teams make 
Rysel Iglesias's and let them go. Exactly. They don't sign them, and you can or get away with signing and get one. out of it. <laughs> yes, and they've also signed Aaron Loop to a, a fairly big contract to be a reliever in the bullpen. They're buying bullpen pieces when they should be building them and yeah. buying starting pitchers. Yeah, it's upsetting. Point. So I, it's it's just dumb. This is not what you want to see them doing when they have the two best players in baseball, maybe, and then also several top prospects. Like you got to build a little smarter than this. Yeah, it's just really bad decision making by them. And at sixty overall, you're right. Uh, I've been inclined to say I'm more likely to take elite closers early than I have in the past because. Innings are harder to find, ratios are great, et cetera. But I don't know, this is a little bit early for me. What do you think, Ron? Would you take Iglesias at 60 overall? Absolutely not. And this, I heard this deal this morning, and I, I scratched my head and couldn't really wrap, wrap my brain around it. And it's, it's one of those things where I look at what they could have had for that amount of money. And like you were talking about those different pitchers that they had passed on, they could have, for the money that they gave a, a closer that had a solid season for one year, they could have got Steven Matz and Anthony DiSclefani and paired them with paired him with Noah Syndergaard in the rotation. <laughs> You've got Otani. You pretty much solved your problem, and you could find a closer. I would argue for probably quite a bit less than what you're paying Rysel Iglesias, and so you'd still have your saves. You would still and and you would have fixed your rotation. So this is one I probably of all the ones on this list, I probably the one I understand the least. I think that's a totally fair way to put it. And it, look, Iglesias was phenomenal. He was shut down. And in fact, I think we had a, an episode mid-season last year where we discussed targets for the rest of this way. We did. And when we brought up closers, I was like, now hear me out, Rice Iglesias. Now, the reason is, is because at this point in the season, he had like a three and a half ERA. Yeah. He was the best closer. He had also been very good up to that point, mm-hmm. and his ERA was kind of bloated, which is kind of an Iglesias thing. Exactly. And overall, the numbers look good, but do I necessarily think he's worth that? kind of money and this kind of a draft cost not really is what i'm getting yeah at. yeah I, it boils down to like i'm i wouldn't take gossman at 49 well i cannot take a closer 11 picks yeah. after that well and i'll give you the he's bookended in drafts he's the 23rd pitcher off the board 22nd pitcher is lance lynn at pick 60 oh, and 24th is jose burrios at 65 yeah, who i would rather have both of those yeah, absolutely yeah not even close it's just i don't know it's crazy to me both in fantasy and in real life. So let's do one more player here. Who do I want to do? How about this one? The Red Sox today at the last minute have agreed to sign James Paxton to a one-year contract. He's going 807 in fantasy drafts. And that's because, of course, he's missed every ounce of time he could over the last few years. However, in 2019, his last, I guess we'll say full season, full season for him, 382 ERA, 1111 K per nine, 329 walks per nine, 150 innings. That's the that's the Paxton special. That's the dream. That's right? what you want. You want that 150 if you can get it, and you'll be so happy if you get it. So, Ron, are you going to take Paxton? At, uh, it's not going to stay at pick 807, but as a freebie pick <laughs> at the end, or do you just want to wash your hands of him? No. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I the, the, few, the, the few times I've taken James Paxton and hoped for that 150 or hoped for something good, I haven't gotten it. He's a guy I could care, I could care less about. I, I, and, and, and for the fact that he signed with the Red Sox is even worse. No, thanks. I'll, 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 I'll take, I'll take Pedro Pineda before I take James Paxton. <laughs> I'll definitely take Paxton as a freebie. I mean, the, when he pitches, he's still good. I mean, that, that is definitely a thing. 
I would rather have him than some guy who is just like, I'll have a four and a half ERA and eat a few innings because I can replace that. Paxton's upside, I might not be able to. That said, I mean, the odds of him at this point staying healthy and even putting together another 150 inning season seem remote. And I'll add to that, too. I, I forgot he'd had Tommy John surgery in April of last year. Oh, did he? So he's only going to put up a handful oh, of innings Oh, yeah, he at this totally point. did. Yeah. Really what this deal was is they also signed a couple of options for two years. After yeah, this. get so him that, on there. Yeah. If he comes back and looks good, maybe you have somebody two years from Yep, there you go. All right, so we'll do one last one then. Alex Wood, you mentioned him going to the Giants. Mm-hmm. Brian, he's been, when he's pitched, yeah. he's been pretty pretty solid. Pick 223. What do you think of Wood there? It's funny that he's going like exactly where De Sclafani's going because that's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think he's another guy who, yeah, I'd, I'd roster him if I need to, but I'll wait. I'll just wait until you get into that Matt's Gray territory. Yeah, same here. I feel like I feel like you can get something very, very similar to what he's going to give you, both innings wise and both uh, you know your counting stats across the board. Your ratios. Uh, I'll wait till around pick three hundred and, and take somebody similar. The only thing I would add is he has, for the most part, been a far better strikeout pitcher than either Matts or Descafani. So I think if you're really looking for strikeouts, that's maybe a better option. Looking at players around there, I don't know. This might just be a spot where I completely avoid pitching. <laughs> I yeah. just, uh, Tristan McKenzie's there. There's upside, but also a lot of downside. Herman Marquez, a few picks I'm earlier. Get burnt with him next year. I know it. I know <laughs> I'm going to take him in like three leagues. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Maybe if you're in the, uh, the podcast league, you'll get yeah. to watch Brian do it you, for the second straight year. <laughs> yes. Casey Mize. Um, oh boy. I still like Mize. Yeah, I, that's an interesting guy yeah, too. Anyway, that's, I don't know, I'll probably avoid pitchers there, but you get the idea. So there we go. That's going to do it for today's episode. We got through almost all of these free agent players, and that's going to be it for a bit. So uh, once again, baseball's about to die for a bit. Yeah, you may not hear from us for a little while, but who knows? We may be back in a couple of weeks with an an update. But before we get out of here, boys, anything you want to talk about? Yeah, I'll tell you what I'll talk about. If we're not here because there's no baseball, we're still talking about prospects on the Dynasty Baseball Show. So go listen to that one. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. I like that. How about you, Ron? Anything you want to tell the folks out there? Um, I, I'm I'm a little upset that we didn't talk about the 2022 AL Cy Young winner that's going to be Corey Kluber uh, um, <laughs> in Tampa. So, but I'll get over it. Mark it down. The joke mm-hmm. I made when we talked about him on the Launch Angle podcast was something along the lines of, you know, every year it seems like we're discussing Kluber at this point on a one year deal. And Rob said something or other. And I said, well, we'll find out next year when he's signed by the San Francisco Giants for six and a half million dollars, <laughs> because that's what he does every year. I'm out on Kluber. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I'm out on him. And it's I too bad. I love the guy. I He led me to a couple of championships in his heyday. Held your hand, carried he you did. right along. Yeah, so <laughs> strong, strong hands warm heart <laughs> so there you go that is the nasty cast thank you once again for tuning in Butu Inc you can head over to patreon.com slash Butu Inc and support us if you like you can check out the other shows the Dynasty Baseball Show like Brian said the Boob Two Boys Launch Angle Podcast all kinds of stuff but we'll be back next time with the nasty cast and may the fantasy gods shine upon you <laughs>